0: Coming up this week, Brace for Impact. It's been my blog tour this week, and the reviews have been coming in thick and fast. I've just released my week 10 book, Left for Dead, so that's the weekly release is now completed. I'm coming into land with Truth Be Told, and I can't wait to get it finished and have a break from all of these deadlines. Plus, my big email boo boo. Prepare to have a good laugh at my expense. I'm recording this, hopefully for the last time, on my cronky laptop. I've been messing around with computers since I last spoke to you, with obviously this lovely trip to Berlin in between, and I've given up on my main tower. It's beyond my capabilities. Let's put it this way. I I think it's beyond my capabilities, but I just simply don't have the time to mess around with it anymore. So what I've done is I have bought myself a new Dell tower. I've got one of these new mini towers. And as I speak to you now, I've got one screen in front of me, which is plugged into my cronky old laptop. The screen to the right of me is plugged into my new Dell tower. And as I've been working today, I've been setting up a computer with my kind of right hand and I've been writing a book with my left hand. Not not quite like that, but I've been switching between the two because I was so desperate to have a proper speed, properly set up computer to work with. So thank goodness for that. But I had to bite the bullet. I thought this is taking me so much time. It's disrupting my workflow so much. I'm just gonna have to bite the bullet, buy a new tower. And what I've said I will do is um, i'll probably look at the big tower over christmas uh, try and figure out what's wrong with it and put it right and then i will give that to one of my kids Uh, they can have a free tower and they'll be able to plug their games in and they'll be extremely happy with that but um as i said you know there comes a point when you're working when you just have to cut your losses and say i have to get some work done i need to bang this stuff out fast i cannot be doing it on a cronky old laptop so that was the decision i took this week So I've got a new tower, it's nothing fancy, I've just really exchanged like for like, but it's got me up and running again, or it will have. And the minute I finish this podcast recording and get it uploaded and processed, I will be finishing off the installation on this computer. To be honest with you, it's a lot easier nowadays because You just install Windows 10, which doesn't take any length of time. You connect Dropbox. It brings all your files down. You install Scrivener, Camtasia, a couple of other programs that I use, and you're good to go. So it doesn't take as long as it used to in the old days installing a brand new computer. So I have managed to get some writing done. I was away in Berlin. When did we go to Berlin? We started traveling on the Saturday and we were back on the Wednesday evening and that was fabulous. Um, still cold over in Berlin, mind you. And incidentally, we caught the tail end. We were there. I hadn't, this was no planning on our part. It was just completely coincidence. We just went, we were originally, I let you into a secret. Originally, I was booked in to go to Vegas for 20 books. And so my uh, wife had, at this time and we were both going to go to Vegas and then when Mark Dawson arranged his event and it grew bigger and bigger and bigger I just said to my wife I was looking at the, the plane flight to Vegas and I just thought I can't face this this is hours up in the sky It's just not I've been I've been to I've been to New York before and that's just about right for me but I just thought when I was looking at how long it took to Vegas I, thought, I really don't I haven't got a great appetite for this so <laughs> dare I say it and when Mark's, Mark's event came along I thought, right, do you know what? Mark has now created or will create the go-to indie author event in the UK. That's what that event's going to be. It's going to be the go-to event in the UK now uh, in the way that 20 books was for the two times that they did it. And I just thought, there's no point in going to Vegas. I might as well be with all the UK contacts that I need in London. It's much more convenient for me. The price is best. I don't have to sit however many hours it is on a plane. So that was the decision I made. So I cancelled Vegas, and uh, Craig took the ticket of the rooms and everything like that, and somebody else snapped it up, uh, and I got my refund on it, and so we had a week free, and so I said to my wife, "Well, we've got a week free. Let's see what we can do with it." And uh, that's why we ended up in Berlin. So, long story short, we just happened to be there. It was no planning on my part. We happened to be there the day after the thirtieth anniversary celebrations of the wall coming down so I don't know whether you saw that lovely great um, strip they had near near, near the Brandenburg Gate Um, you know all the um, ribbons that were hanging down Uh, we got to walk along the length of that Um, it was still there and everything was still there we were just like a little bit late to the party so anyhow that's a by the by nothing to do with writing let's get on to the writing this week you've got an extra long episode this week by the way because of course I'm gonna give you my 10 week review of my rapid release. So word count this week, I wrote on Thursday on my Cronky laptop, I wrote 5,381 words on Thursday. Today I've just written 5,097 words and those words were teased out because I would write a paragraph play with the new computer, write a paragraph, play with the new computer. It was just like that. I, I don't like writing with distractions, but I, I kind of needed to get two things done at once. So I that's what I was doing. Every time I could click a button or get something going on this new computer, I would break off from my writing and get it going. So I, I did get the words done though. I will also be writing on Sunday. That'll be another 5,000 words. Then next week, I'm writing on Thursday and Friday. And that is, truth be told, draft one, finished now also at the same time as you know I have been editing first draft editing Morecambe Bay 3 truth be told so yesterday uh, I edited chapters 24 25 26 of the book I'm writing then I edited chapters 27 28 29 last night yesterday evening and that brought me bang up to date with my writing. So I edited chapters 27, 28, 29 last night. I wrote chapters 30, 31, 32 today. So my writing is only just slightly ahead of my editing now. But what happens now is I got the edited version of Walk of Bay 2, Circle of Lies Back from Julie last night. So what happens now is I'll, I'll finish truth be told, I finished the writing and I won't touch the editing now, I now switch my editing to Morecambe Bay 2, Circle of Lies, which uh, Julie's now gone through, going to work through her corrections and her suggestions, and so this evening, I will be working through chapters one to seven. I say I'm going to be working through chapters one to seven. I haven't had a proper look at the suggestions that Julie's made yet. So I don't know whether it's like a battlefield and there's a load to do or whether it's it's fairly sort of light edit that I need to do. But I, I hope to be doing chapters one to seven this evening. So I've basically carved it up. It's seven chapters a night. And that will mean that on Thursday, the 21st of November, I should have the second Morecambe Bay Trilogy book, Circle of Lies, um, edited. And what's going to happen then? Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen then because what I did with Left for Dead, so Left for Dead is the book that I released on Monday. Left for Dead, just to refresh your memory, is book one of the Morecambe Bay Trilogy and it marks the beginning of my 28-day release cycle. So I'll be releasing... Circle of Lies in December, and then Truth Be Told will be released in January. So those are 28 days between those releases and the box set will be 28 days after that. So what I did this week is it's my plan with Left for Dead, the moment that Truth Be Told has been released, I'm going to submit that to BookBub. I want to get a BookBub if I can, on the Morecambe Bay trilogy before the end of the financial year so I can bank a decent amount of money on it. So a brand new series um, should hopefully uh, be be good to me. So um, if I can get a book bub on that by the end of the financial year, that will be fantastic, but that's my aim. But to get it ready for that, I want to get some reviews on it. Now, I've had some reviews this week from the blog tour, which I'll be talking to you about in a moment or two. So that's a great start. But what I decided to do is I emailed my subscribers this week, and I've got a tale to tell about my, <laughs> mail alert, my MailerLite account this week too. But I emailed my subscribers last night and said, Left for Dead has just been released. Um, what I would like to get is some reviews on that book. So if you've enjoyed my books before, if you know you enjoy my thrillers, then please let me know. I will send you a free copy and I would be grateful if you could leave a review for me by December the 31st. So that's no great timescale for people who like reading. And I did say to people, you know, I know you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to sort of influence these reviews but i did say you know please only ask for it if you know that you like my thrillers please don't request one if you hate my books or you're so-so about them you know the aim of this is um, to boost my career not wreck it so that's how i ca- couch the terms so what i hope i've got is i had a really good response to actually they're still coming in so it's about 40 rough count asking to read left for dead with the expectation of reading for free and reviewing it by the 31st of December. Now I've already done pretty well for reviews from the, which is great from the blog tour. Talk to you about that in a moment, but I want to get some reviews on Left for Dead so that it's ship shape and ready to submit for a book bub the moment I can from January. So the day, is it the 6th of January? Monday, the 6th of January, when Morecambe Bay 3, Circle, though not Circle of Lies, it's truth be told, the minute that that book is released, that's going in for a book bub, and that'll give me, uh, I could do what, that'll be January the 6th, February the 6th, March the 6th, that gives me three tries at that book to get it in for a book bub before the end of the financial year, and that is my number one aim now, is to get that book released, and is to get that, First book in for a bookbub and to get as many reviews in as I can. And obviously, they need to be in between four stars and five stars to make it reasonably attractive for bookbub. Hopefully, that won't go, you know, go bad on me. And I end up getting like, you know, terrible reviews on it. So it doesn't look shit-shaped for bookbub. But hopefully, you know, I haven't mean, asked people. So you, I mean, you know, me having said to people, you know, please only ask for it if you enjoy my books. Please, please, that should just kind of attract the right kind of reviewers, surely. Anyhow, we'll soon find out, won't we? But uh, I was really pleased with that response. Uh, you know, 40 or so, and they're still coming in, and I haven't done the resend yet. Now, the other reason why that's handy is that when Julie sent me the second book back, Circle of Lies, um, Julie's raised a couple of queries about the ending, and um it has a cliffhanger ending intentionally so on my part and you know my experience with cliffhanger endings is that they you get a great read through on them um but because julie's raised a couple of points on this and because i've got the time i will get that book in a you know shipshape for people to read it to art read it by next sunday and I'm expecting to have the fast readers who've got left for dead, who, who got the link last night. That I'm expecting those fast readers to come back to me fairly quickly and say, "Let me have the next book as soon as it's ready." So if I can send that to maybe ten people just to get an initial read on it, and then to be able to ask them what they think of the ending, whether it's a you know a problem for them or not, then I can just um, take the air basically and um, and, and sort of um, you know try to mitigate the concerns that Julie raised with the ending. Um, so I have got enough time to do that, and so so I, I will do that uh, just to be a little bit more confident of the ending. So what else have I got to tell you about this week? Well, I was extremely nervous when I was in Berlin on Monday and the first review started to come in on Left for Dead. So that book was released on Monday. It's the first, as I say, of the 28 day rapid releases. It came at the end of my 10 week rapid release strategy um i'm pleased with that story but it was originally written as a standalone and so it has it actually has a proper ending that book normally it would have had a a, a turning a cliffhanger ending and actually what drives you forward to the next book is the the uh, what's it called the preview i've put a preview section in there and the preview section pulls you forward hopefully into the next book by twisting the story in the first book but I had to create the cliffhanger in the preview. Normally the the cliffhanger would have been actually in the book itself, but because that book was originally written as standalone, kind of that horse has bolted already. So I was ever so nervous uh, on Monday and I had four reviews on the Monday and then three from Tuesday, to Friday and in actual fact at the time I'm recording this I'm still waiting for the last review to come in on Friday now what I will do so that you can check this out is I I will put on the resources page every link all 15 links to the reviews that I've got from that blog blog tour this week plus I've put the um, Twitter accounts of the people who've reviewed the books so that was my first blog tour what did I make of it First of all, I was just terrified of it. You know, I'm quite happy releasing books, you know, to, I don't know, this kind of mass of people who I don't know who may like it or may not like it, but I don't know them. But when you've got that kind of more intimate connection where Sarah Hardy, who organized this blog tour for me, Sarah contacts a load of of sort of bloggers, book bloggers, and they all agree to review the book. And then you're waiting for the verdict to come out 15 times. I did find that a bit tense. But by the time we got to the end of Monday, I was feeling a little bit more confident with it. So first thing is, is that if you are in the sort of crime thriller genre, um, let me recommend Sarah Hardy's service. I've done an interview with Sarah already. I'll put that interview on the show notes page to save you hunting for it. But that's when I first really spoke to anybody in any detail about doing these blog tours and Sarah's done it for some time and I know a, a local author a guy called Graham Smith who is traditionally published um, I know that Graham's done blog tours before and I knew of a couple of other people who've done them but it just wasn't it's not really sort of on the radar of indie authors is it you don't really hear indie authors talking about blog tours so it was, it was on my radar I talked to Sarah and I thought mm, yeah you know that does sound very interesting to me and then I didn't do anything about it And it was Julie Stock's email to me when Julie outlined her her successful launch process that had also included a blog tour. But also because I followed Julie on Twitter, I had seen her blog tour and I'd seen the posts around it and thought, "Mm, you know, that that looks good. That's really good profile for Julie. And when she sent me her results and I saw how well it had done for her, I thought, right, okay, I've got to bite this bullet. I really got to give this a try. And as you know, if you listen to the diary regularly, you, you know that kind of on a whim, I just contacted um, Sarah. I'd left it a bit too late, but Sarah said, no, it's fine. I've managed to get enough bloggers through at short notice. That's fine. Let's go ahead and do it. And we were booked in and and in my haste to to get it organized, um, having got it organized, I then started to panic I think, oh my goodness, what have I let myself in for? Well, l- let me say to you, you know, Sarah did a great job. Um, she's got some brilliant contacts. And actually I've had a taste of this before. Um, I think, oh, Sarah had reviewed, she'd read the Don't Tell Metrology. She'd very kindly put positive comments out there just as a as a reviewer not as a formal reviewer and said how much it enjoyed the book and then I'd noticed that when Sarah did that all of these um, bloggers that she knows had retweeted it and I'd sent a thank you to them you know just thanking them because it was very generous and 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 what struck me really about this week of blogging is is how uh, nice kind supportive the blog reviewers are so you're not kind of going into this middle class you know grammar wars kind of scenario where everybody's trying to outposh each other um and, and and find fault with stuff the 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 default position of these reviewers was that they quite clearly enjoy reviewing books they quite clearly enjoy the genre and they're looking for something positive to say they're not looking for something negative to say they're not looking to find fault they're looking to find things that are right and that's what i say by by kind reviewing you know it didn't feel like i had been thrown into a bear pit um you know you could say i think there were about two two of the reviewers you know, when you just read in between the lines, I thought, you know, they they, they feel to me like they're take it or leave it. They, you know, it was fine, but they're take it or leave it. They felt like they they, they were okay with the book, but, um, you know, it wasn't the most astonishing thing they'd ever read. And then you've got other, uh, bloggers there who, who, you know, quite clearly really enjoyed it. Um, but th- nobody said anything, uh, you know, negative, uh, trolley. Um, it was all done in a lovely, supportive, positive way. And you know what? We need a bit more of that in the world, don't we? We need a bit more of that on social media. We just need a bit more of that in general. And we could certainly could do with a bit of it in British politics at the moment. Just a bit of pleasantness, you know, a bit of kindness and a bit of niceness. So, um, yeah, it was, it felt very supportive. You know, it it didn't feel like people were out to get me in any way. And it looked, you know, people would, they were trying to find. Uh, the positives of the book. Now, as I say, I, I got lots of effusive reviews, reviews in there, and the things that I was happiest about, and the themes that came out of the reviews um, that pleased me, were that people loved the sense of place, that the book is set in Morecambe, and a couple of people had holidayed there and said how much they'd enjoyed reading about the Morecambe of the 1980s when it was much more a bustling seaside resort and they'd enjoyed the contrast between what Morecambe's like now you know as a a rundown I mean I still love Morecambe and I think they've done great things with it Uh, but it's not like the Morecambe I remember as a student because it had a big amusement park there you know it was really really kind of bustling in those days. But, um, you know, they like the contrast between Walker of the 80s and, and and one of the ladies who reviewed it said, I used to holiday there. It was lovely reading about the book. And a couple of people had said it's lovely to read about a northern book. that not that interesting? All my books, uh, pr- pretty well all my books are set in the north. The one that moves to Benidorm for part of the book, that starts in London. Um, but all, mine are all set in in northern towns some of them are specific northern towns so some of them are just um, a northern town that's not named so I, I was pleased about that because I've been quite strategic with this book in that we have a I've forgotten what it's called now there's a, a Morecambe crime event that I attended a, a year or so ago and it, I think it's in its third or fourth year now and it did strike me that you know if I if I can muster the writing power to write a decent book, crime book about Morecambe that, you know, if I'm lucky, I might be able to go and speak on the stage or, you know, get involved at that Morecambe festival because it's quite a nice, easy win for them. And I mean, the book was going to be about Morecambe anyway, but it just struck me as a nice by-product. You know, that uh, the way that with The Secret Bunker, I based it in a real life secret bunker. And as a by-product of that, I was really lucky because The Secret Bunker stocked the books and they support me because it's all about their their visitor centre. You know, it just helps them in what they do. And so it did strike me. I mean, the book came first, obviously. It was going to be about our time in Morecambe, but it did strike me that this might be a, a nice byproduct. That it's a book entirely set in Morecambe. We have a TV series. Uh, and and I think it was a TV series that inspired me to write this story actually we have a TV series called The Bay which is set in Morecambe and i watched series one I think that's probably where that idea came from thinking yeah I'd like to set my story there in the holiday camp that we used to work in that's probably where the idea came from and then they're going to release the next series of The Bay series two in May of 2020 so strategically it's quite a nice little thing for me to be doing to have a book set in Morecambe because people will be looking for The Bay and I can and do the keywords and things like that. So I was really pleased that people got that sense of place and appreciated it. People liked my characters, so they liked the central character. They like Charlotte, who's the central character, and um, these were actually exclusively uh, female bloggers by the way but then there were no male blog reviewers there so again I'm I'm, I'm pleased about that because although um, you've got male and female characters really the main voice in this series is a female voice and nobody kind of picked me up on anything crass or stupid or imbecilic you know as me writing a, a female as a man and um, so, so again I'm pleased about that uh, also what I was really pleased about is they said how much they liked the the minor characters, how well developed the minor characters were and how much they were gunning for the minor characters. I, again, I'm, I'm pleased with that because I do pay attention to my minor characters. And I really wanted you, this is an ensemble piece um, with quite a small palette of characters. And um, I wanted you to, to like them all, even though essentially, essentially it becomes Charlotte's point of view story. We do occasionally go to a husband's point of view as well and actually in the final book we get the the baddies the bad guys point of view as well and hopefully um, you get to understand him and his motivations as well so those were the themes that came out in the reviews and they also said it was fast and you know non-stop and tense and they I got the uh, what I love to see as a thriller reader you know I couldn't put it down I stayed up all night so I got I got a good smattering of those as well so I'm I'm really pleased with it and actually the the byproduct of that which I hadn't really thought about was that also those uh, or, or several of those reviewers have gone on to Amazon and left a review there as well. Um, so already I've got reviews on that book, which is uh, fantastic. So, um, you know, all in all, I'm very happy with that experience. It was really well-organized by Sarah. Don't, don't hesitate to contact Sarah if you're in crime and thrillers and, and you want somebody to run a, um, you know, a, a blog tour for you. She did a brilliant job, really happy with the job I got from Sarah on that and, and can highly recommend her. And, um, of course, you know I, I then get those reviews. That's fantastic because that's the most reviews I've had on any of my of, of any of the books that I've released. You know, we we all know how we struggle for reviews, and, and I didn't really start to get any number of reviews until I started getting Bookbubs. That's really where I started to get reviews in any kind of number. I'd always struggled for reviews up to that point. And as you'll hear in the next section that I record, I'm really bad at asking people for reviews and doing this art reader thing. I'm just very disorganized with it. So um, the other thing you get with that is that I've now got 15 blog posts, which all have my name in, my social media links. I've got the name of my books in. And of course, that's what I would describe to you as keyword juice. You know, it's great to have, uh, links from other websites to your website particularly if they're relevant and on the same topic that's good for seo juice and it's good for me to have all those pages floating around that when people do a search for paul j teague or paul teague thrillers or left for dead all these pages can then come up so you know all in all i'm extremely happy with that and if you compare it I mean, um, the, the, the ballpark figure, you're about 80 to 100 pounds to organize one of these. If you compare that with an email promo, so I would say it's comparable with a, bargain books email promo if you look at the reviews that i've got as a result of that and you know all that search engine juice and all that social media activity this week you know i would say it's highly comparable and well worth thinking about and i will certainly uh i wouldn't hesitate to do a a blog review or a blog tour like that uh through sarah again so i'm very happy i might change mine because i'm still waiting for one review to come in but uh, you know that's 14 down one to go I would say that of the 14 um, two of them were um, they they didn't say they didn't like it but they they were uh, restrained they were restrained they said they liked it they said it was a good book you know blah 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 but they were restrained in their enthusiasm but the others were all enthusiastic I was delighted with them and we've got one more to go so you know I would say that's a result I'm quite happy with that and um, you know it is a bit nerve-wracking because the ladies who run these blo- blog tours or these blog review sites they read a lot of these books they read a lot of thrillers and psychological thrillers so they'll they'll spot an imposter or they'll spot a duffer uh, straight away <laughs> so you know there we go uh, we've managed to survive that week so remember i've put all the links to the reviews on the resources page episode 179 this week and you can check them out if you want to without having to go hunting for them okay let's move on to other news then and let me tell you about this week's mailer light cock up oh this struck while i was in berlin and we intentionally didn't take pcs out to berlin we were only there for a couple of days i didn't want to be you know when you go through um you know customs checks and things like that and you're there you've got laptops and you know i've got my e-reader. I've got my phone, I've got my charging leads. It takes forever to get it all out and put it back and take your belt off and sometimes put your shoes on. And then you've got to put your liquids on there. And I just thought, you know, it's only a couple of days. I can do without a laptop for a couple of days. i work with my mobile phone. So I have had sort of restricted connectivity. Anything that required a long answer this week had to wait because I was on my phone. I would also, which was very annoying, a a taste of post-Brexit Britain. For some reason, my phone wasn't roaming when I was in Germany. Uh, now, my wife's was, my wife's on, a, on, a, on the same uh, deal or the same card as I am, except she has capped data. I have un- pretty well uncapped data and I couldn't get a signal while I was out there. So the only time I could check anything was when we were on the, um, the underground, the subway, and they have wireless in all the subways. So I'd get, you know, two minutes in between trains, check it and reply to something and, and off we went. So it's been quite a frustrating week from that point of view. But imagine my surprise when I got, when we were in Germany this week, I think it must have been Tuesday or Wednesday, I got an email from myself, a marketing email sent through MailerLite that I had set up in template form and forgotten to complete before I went. And it was a complete half cock email. It didn't even have the correct cover for Left for Dead in it. And I must have set this thing up and I must have set it up and put it on a timer to force myself to... To, to complete it you know to put myself on a time frame and then completely forgotten about it so I sent out 4,600 I think it was emails of an email that just said you know wording goes here or top story goes here with an old book and no call to action on it and interestingly I got no replies I got, I got no complaints I got to t- two replies one which said oh thanks very much I've bought the book so maybe I must have put a link in there perhaps I don't know but somebody said I've bought the book thank you and another person said I want to buy the book (laughs) so and no complaints so um you know what was that like now I remember years ago and it must I mean by years ago it was it was 2000. It was the Millennium Night. Um, I'd queued up this big email campaign. This was my last big email cock up. So this was the year 2000, 18 years ago. That's how long I've been doing email marketing. And I'd set up this campaign for whatever I was doing on the internet then, and thought right, this big email on the Millennium I'll, You know, I'll send this email out, and I cocked that up. And I sent four, I was split testing it. That's what I was supposed to be doing. And what I ended up doing was sending four different versions of the same email to everybody who was on my list. And I thought, that's it. That's the beginning and end of my internet marketing career. And in actual fact, I got this brilliant response from people because I thought, what I'm going to have to do. I I took it all very seriously in those days because I had no experience of email marketing. And I thought, you know, if I sent a load of spam emails out, that was it, I'd be blacklisted. I'd never be able to email again. Well, you know, I'm a lot more gung-ho and blase about it these days because I've been email marketing for, I can't believe I've I'm telling you this, I've been email marketing for two, that's 18 years, isn't it? I can't believe I've been doing it that long. Seems ridiculous. I'll be getting a gold watch soon for services to email marketing. But, anyhow, that was one big cock up, and I thought that would be the end of my email marketing career. Believe me, you know, in my career, I've made some big cock ups. I'm once, i the guy who took regional CFAX offline once. I collapsed all the CFAX pages onto each other. In fact, I did it on more than one occasion. And um, I, I was delighted when I worked at the BBC to discover there's a, a man who sits in a little office waiting for people to call him, who could put CFAX back. So having completely destroyed our regional CFAX, you can't believe how delighted I was when this gentleman gladly picked up the phone because he'd got something to do at last and could reinstate CFAX for me. Um, in my day job, only about, well, it must be less than half a year ago, um, I completely destroyed... <laughs> The big business website, even when I was teaching a couple of weeks ago, I was teaching WordPress. I was talking away and not concentrating what I was doing and destroyed my own website, which again, you know, I've got a backups regime, so I can put these things back. uh, Thank goodness for backups regimes. So, um, you know, I know now having worked on the internet for so long that it's an occupational hazard destroying things every now and then. And that the trick is to make sure you've got some backups tucked away. So Actually, I've just destroyed my PC as well, haven't I? Recently too. So um, I've got the the is it the antithesis is that right the antithesis of the minus touch that's what i've got so anyhow these emails went out and i thought oh heck well done paul i knew exactly what happened when i saw it i thought there's nothing i can do about it i'm stuck on a mobile phone with dodgy internet in berlin i can't do anything until i get home i hadn't got any complaints so when i got home I wrote a new email. Uh, I can't remember what the subject line is, but it was something like, oops, this is the email I meant to send you, something like that. And then I apologized for sending the email out and said, this is what I meant to send you. Left for Dead is you know, released now. You can buy it now, blah, 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 blah. And then I sent that email out. And can you believe it? Can you believe it? I checked this, right, to make sure I thought, well, usually I put my emails on a follow-up send so that you know they send the first one out and people who didn't click it after three days get the follow-up. Can you believe it? Was it last night or this morning? I thought I'd stopped it, but I got the follow up template email too. So not only did you get it once, you got it twice. But you know, I don't know. I think people have got experience enough now of, of internet marketing to know when somebody like me's made a cock up. You know, they've sent the wrong email out and, you know, it doesn't even bother them now. They probably just delete it, which frankly is the proportionate way to deal with it. Oh, somebody's made a cock up. That's fine. I'll just delete it. Um, you know, isn't it really? Uh, You don't need to write a snotty letter or anything like that. If you recognise the person who sent it, they've quite clearly messed it up. It's obvious what's happened. It's not worth sending a ranty email back about it, or just unsubscribe if you don't like it, if it bothers you that much. So anyhow, I have been at this long enough, you know, to know that bad things happen occasionally, (laughs) more than occasionally to me when I'm being careless with my tech. And I just wanted to share that one with you just to let you know that, you know, if you do make a mess up with an email, um, I, you know, so long as you're not cheating the system, you're not doing anything dodgy, uh, people are pretty forgiving, to be honest with you. They, they don't really mind. And I think we're sophisticated enough as as users these days to know when somebody's messed something up and just to ignore it or to just, you know, laugh with them. <laughs> so fortunately, that came and went. And then, you know, having sent that uh email out, I then get 40 plus responses from people saying, yeah, I'd love to review the book, you know, send me a free copy. So it, it doesn't seem to have done any damage. That's that's fine. So I thought you might enjoy a little snigger at my expense uh, with my mailer MailerLite mess up this week. I've nearly finished this part of the diary. I'm trying to keep this one short because I can tell you I've got a long review of my 10 weeks of rapid release coming up. So let's just get through the mentions this week. I've had a couple of emails from Dan Saul. Now, Dan emailed me last week. And I can't remember because it's it's been a long week, you know, traveling abroad. Um I can't remember what I told you this last week, but uh, Dan had dropped me a, a, le- a note to say that Story at Origin is linking with Book Doggy. Um, they've got this kind of team up done. This is what I love about, you know, I've said to you already that I used Story Origin. And I really liked them, but I didn't feel like it quite got enough users yet. I've also told you that I like Book Doggy and I'm really pleased to hear that people like Dan and, um, I've seen a, a couple of you using, I know John Cronshaw has used Book Doggy too. I don't know what, with any degree of success or not. I don't know. And I've seen a couple of people I know who've used Bo- Book Doggy recently, but my experiences of it have been good. Um, and I know I know that Dan had a really good experience with it, and so he dropped me a line to say uh, I, I think he'd even made this suggestion to them that Story Origin had linked with with Bookdoggy, and Dan just said uh, it's now live, and then he sent me a follow up email to say that he'd used this integration. So he said um, I tried out the new Story Origin option on Bookdoggy this week with some success. At the time of writing, I had 150 downloads of Night Terrors, my reader magnet book for my mailing list. There were 122 downloads yesterday and 27 so far today. So that would work out at 12 cents per email list sign up for the $18 advert. Dan says, I, I really like these breakdowns, uh, Dan, you do all the maths for me, thank you. I typically get five to 10 signups per day through Story Origin cross promotions, but it looks like there's a bit of a long tail on that, which was the case with the other book doggy promotion. So Dan says that Story Origin isn't as well known as Book Funnel, so I expect less click through than the 500 plus I got from a permafree book on Amazon, Apple, etc. And as it was for an email sign up, I also expected some downturn effect. But Dan says that the bottom line is 12 cents per sign up and download is still a great ROI, return on investment. This promotion also pushed my mailing list over the 500 mark for the first time. I know what that feels like, Dan. It's, it's like magic when you pass 25, 100, 500, 1000. It's like magic when your, your list gets past that milestone. So congratulations on that. And Dan says I started my list in August, Book Doggy has been a big bump and a cost effective one at that. So, you know, that's me and Dan Sewell saying Book Doggy, also Story Origin, like the two of them. You know, and again, I like to I like to support innovative businesses like that. And they're very dynamic because uh, no sooner had Dan said that, um, I'm sure you said to me, Dan, that you made the suggestion that Story Origin and Book Doggy Link, no sooner had he made the sort of introduction that they got it together and the link had been made. And that's lovely dynamics between two services to the advantage of authors. So that's, you know, great news and I'm pleased to be able to report on that. Uh, also, Dan dropped me a line because I'd asked last week, I said, do you know any writing software that I might be able to use? And um, Dan said that he used Evernote for his last novel. It's a clean writing environment, which you can access online. Uh, I use Evernote, Dan. I use it for all my notes. I'm not sure that I'd want to write in it, but, um, but I do use it for synchronization of my notes. I drop all sorts of files in there all the time and access them on my phone, PC, laptop, wherever I am. So I, I am a lover of Evernote. Not sure whether I could bring myself without a template to write in it. If I had a template, I might consider it. Um, Dan says, I coach researchers on writing as a job, so I'm always looking for new softwares. And he said a, a software, he's mentioning uh, Smart Edit Writer, which was formerly Atomic Scribbler. That's a great title. As I like Atomic Scribbler best. That's a great title. Smart Edit Writer is very interesting and it's free. Plus it integrates with Smart Edit editing software, which is very good. Latex is an open source software, which a lot of researchers use and it automatically formats PDF and print documents. And it could be used with user interfaces like Overleaf. Now, I've never heard of any of these, Dan. Um, never heard of any of these. Now, um, in cutting and pasting this, it has actually put a couple of links that Dan sent me into, into shortened links. So as I'm chatting to you, I'm gonna have to just cut and paste this because I can't tell you what the links are without a kind of, um, you know, they're disguised links. They've been shortened links. So. Uh, I don't know whether I'm going to, to do this can I can I cut and paste this link true professionalism from Teague once again I got one more to do but it's converted these links into something that I can't read on the page so I um I just need to get a sense for what Dan was um, sending me to so uh, just talk among yourselves while I do this if you would and hopefully my slow I don't know whether it's going to do it no, there were a couple of other links on there but a combination of being on this cronky computer desperately slow speeds oh and also i've just disconnected this laptop <laughs> that's why it won't work <laughs> i've before i started this uh podcast recording talk about a crazy system i've got these two comput- i've got two franken sized monsters of computers in front of me and the keyboard that's sitting in front of me which is a bluetooth Bluetooth keyboard is currently connected I just did this before I started I'm clicking the buttons here and nothing's happening that's because it's connected to the new PC on my right hand side so I'm not gonna be able to get those links down but I'll add the softwares that you mentioned to the show notes that's probably the easiest uh sort of way of doing this to put you out of everybody's misery so thank you very much for for sending me those softwares I do appreciate that I also got an email or a note from uh, Kat Bama now because these came in while I was in Berlin and do you know what? If you, if I was in Facebook, uh, and, and also Twitter actually, when you use it for messaging, I wish they'd put in a little functionality on there. Just employ me at great expense, Facebook or Twitter, will you? And I'll, I'll tell you how to put some good user functions in there. But what Facebook needs is, you know, when you get messages from people, it needs a little right click or a little button that says "Remind me later." That's what it needs. So they don't go into the list where you can just remind you later and it will give you a notification to remind you that you've got this message that you need to deal with. Because the number of messages I get and then subsequently forget about in Facebook is really annoying. And um, so I may, you may have messaged me this week. And if I haven't mentioned you, you've got lost somewhere in my messages. So just remind me and and nag me if you sent me a message. But because I was on a mobile phone, I haven't been able to store these efficiently, I'm afraid, this week. But Kat Bammer... Um, I think you either sent me an email. Or I can't remember how it came in, Cat. But Cat uh, says, "Hey Paul, I listened to your podcast today, and I might have a suggestion for you. I've studied the f- early phases of searching around, but I really like wavemaker.cards Perhaps give it a look and see, see what you think. And there's even in wavemaker.cards a Save the Cat outline template. So Cat says, I haven't checked it out fully, but just you know, thought it looked promising, and thought I would pass it on. So thank you very much for sharing all those ideas. What I will do is I'll put all those links on the show notes, seeing as i made a pig's ear of delivering that information to you and then you can check it out and see if it suits you and i i'll have a look at those now i hope in the next hour to have a pc that's fully functional i will check them out and see if there's something a little bit more suitable that works better in the cloud than scrivener does because i really am looking to make a change over the course of the next year Okay, the last mention for now is a Twitter mention. And you may recall that I've had a couple of tweets from Edwin Downward, who's been sending me images of car parks in Canada that are completely empty. And I made what I thought was a quite reasonable assumption that having seen two photographs of empty car parks in Canada, that therefore all car parks in Canada must always be empty. There must almost always be room for parking. And um, Edwin has sent me a photograph which disproves my theory. Uh, which is to show me a picture of the car park with some cars in it. So Edwin says it didn't take that long to pull together this impression of a full Canadian car park. (laughs) There it is, all those lovely empty spaces now full. So thanks very much, Edwin, for tweeting that in my direction. Okay, that's it for this week's diary updates. After the interlude music, my version of the Potter's Wheel, we'll move on to the main part of this week's show. You may wish to grab a drink, by the way. It's a long one coming up. As promised then, in the second part of this week's diary, I'm going to run through my thoughts on 10 weeks of rapid release. It seems amazing that that is two and a half months now gone of weekly rapid releases. So let's start with the bad news first. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's been a complete damp squib. And if you don't live in the UK or know that turn of phrase, it's defined as a situation or event, which is much less impressive than expected. So it seems to be the precise phrase to use for this 10 weeks of rapid release, a damp squib. I have achieved nothing near the kind of results that were achieved by Adam in his well first attempt at this. I think he certainly had two good attempts at this, but his first one reached, I think over $100,000. So nowhere, nowhere, nowhere in that ballpark at all with this 10 weeks of rapid release. I think I've said on a number of occasions, since recording this diary that I've always felt like I'm pushing at a closed door with my writing and it still feels that way 10 weeks on after rapid release there seems to be um, some enthusiasm for what I write and from some people uh, great enthusiasm my reviews seem to go to four to five stars they tend to veer down to about the four stars there's no huge amount of negativity if you look at my reviews you won't see a whole load of stinking one star reviews like everybody there's the occasional uh, one star for somebody who really doesn't resonate with you but there's no there are no numbers there's no sort of frequency of those low star reviews in fact I, I would even say Touchwood that I'm I've been reasonably immune from it but I do veer down to that sort of four starish point of view that that's place so no great enthusiasm as I say some great enthusiasm from some people but not enough to ignite the flames and I still feel bemused by this whole process I mean it's been really interesting for me because I've seen the sales from now you see her now I'm not going to reveal Um, Adam's figures because that's his confidential information. But I've seen the figures from now, you see, uh, and and, frankly, they're completely attainable by someone like me. So I find it really hard to get to grips with these huge numbers and wonder, for instance, am I suffering with page reads in some way? Am I doing something wrong? I remember Adam telling me that he gets 90% of his income from page reads. Um, So again, you know, you could look at Adam's books. This is what's publicly available. You could look at his books and say, well, you're not getting any more reviews than I have on my books, uh, particularly. Um, You know, so there's no magic there. Um, He did say he was getting 90% of his income from page reads, which I'm certainly not getting. So maybe it's the page reads that I'm missing out on. But you're having done this, I cannot get to grips with those huge numbers. I I just don't understand how people make that much money. I can't see it. I can't imagine it. Imagine it. You know, I can't imagine it happening to me. And I've had in this launch, I've had those high chart positions. I've had my number one in the bestseller charts. I've had lots of top tens in decent charts. And these are paid charts, not just free charts for a change. So we, we have managed to move the needle. I've I've shifted a lot of books, but I'm still just not getting that that impetus, that sense that you've got the wind under your, your wings. And I still feel like there's a secret that somebody isn't telling me. But you know, people have been very people are very effusive with the information that they share. I'm not suggesting for one minute that I think anybody's holding anything back, but what I'm what I'm saying is that this continues to elude me, that I just can't imagine it. I I I've achieved some of the things that people are achieving, like at you know, number one in a bestseller's chart for paid. Um lots of these books have been in in high chart positions in paid charts. And indeed, you know, I've seen Amazon's infrastructure working from the early days because I obviously look at my own books. Amazon has been sending me, uh, you know, reminders. Uh, are you still gonna buy this book? You were looking at this book of great emails listing my books. You know, I've been aware of Amazon's infrastructure working in the background since I've been doing this, but it has not brought the results that I thought it would bring. I hear other writers talking about fans all the time and particularly on this uh, Six Figure Authors podcast that I've been listening to in recent weeks. They talk about the fans. Martha Carr talks about the fans, but I don't feel like there are any fans. There are people who might read a book and enjoy it and leave a five-star review and say this was fantastic, but I get no sense of there being fans out there waiting for the next book that I write and I and it's just for me I just can't grasp it I can't get my hands round it um you know that it's just elusive is really the best way I can describe it and and so my summary of these 10 weeks is a damp squib now that isn't uh, me being completely pessimistic about it because before I recorded this I made sure that I listened to the the buddy episode for this which is the episode I recorded before this rapid release started, where I put down my thoughts before we'd even started, before I had any evidence to to count this on. And I I said quite clearly then that I couldn't imagine this happening to me, although people had presented the evidence to me and they told me how to do it and that I was going to follow that slavishly. I said then that I couldn't imagine it. I couldn't imagine it happening to me and that my bottom line was that at the end of this, in terms of my career strategically i was quite happy with what i would i would i would get from this but i also said to you early on i was i've always been concerned that i've just been a busy fool uh, that I, I've been doing lots of activity. It did concern me that I had all this money for advertising that I maybe should have just taken out as income, got, got on a nice holiday and said, there you are, books helped me to earn that. and And I have to say all those thoughts still remain at the end of 10 weeks. But let me go through what I've learned. Let me go through some of the detail. Let me talk about the pluses and the minuses of this. And I would encourage you to go back to listen and refresh your memory on what I was saying before we did this, and then to listen to this episode where I've got the experience, I've done it, we've gone through the experience and see how those compare. Because it was actually very interesting for me because... Number one, I said I didn't think that I would achieve those results. I'd be very pleasantly surprised if I did get anywhere near those results, and I have got nowhere near those results. But also, I I outlined the strategic importance of doing this, that is getting good covers on all my books, making sure that all my books had had a proper, thorough edit by a proper editor, and all of my books have now had that proper, thorough edit. Um, That also, it brought my existing books together. So I've got box sets of books now and everything, everything makes beautiful sense. So in terms of a body of work, it's been very, very productive. Anyhow, before we we delve into my thoughts on this, let me just remind you about the number of sales that I made in October and September. So these are sales, not free books. This is just units that I've sold. So in September, I sold 2,394 books. That's including the sales of Now You See Her Through Adam. And in October, I made 1,996 sales, excluding free books. Most of those or many of those were at 99 pence or cents, but also many of them were at 299 and 399. And my reads in September and October were at 656,230. So that's what 10 weeks of rapid release uh, did, for me in terms of income. Well, I'll talk about income in a moment or two. Now, before we started this rapid release process, I had every single advantage that you could hope to have before I went into this. So when Adam Nichols did his first rapid release, he didn't have these advantages. So I had every advantage. Um, you know, the wind was blowing entirely in my direction. And by that, I mean that at the book I wrote with Adam, now you see her, I managed to jump on board Adam's rapid release in week four of his schedule, which was fantastic. So he'd already got a bit of impetus. He's already done two rapid releases before. And I managed to get week four of his rapid release schedule, not even week one, it was week four. So he had a head of steam going already with his rapid release schedule. But also better than that, I also had a bookbub promo in the first week on Don't Tell Meg. So I had the impetus of of obviously um, getting rid of lots of free copies of Don't Tell Meg, but then the knock on of the sales for um, the other two books. So that brought additional income in uh, above and beyond the sales that I was making from the rapid release process. So, you know, I really could not have asked for better conditions. I cannot moan about anything that happened in this rapid release in that all the books were ready on time, all the covers were done on time, all the edits were delivered on time. Everything was delivered on time by me and by all my partners in this there were no hitches, there were no glitches, there was nothing wrong, everything was absolutely great, there is nothing I can moan about (laughs) in this rapid release, so you know everything was in my favour, Um, I did three things differently from Adam, so um, what were those three things, now the first thing is is that uh, Adam Was much better at getting beta reviewers on his books, so he was. I was. I'm rubbish at this, and you know, I continue to be rubbish at this. So um, Adam got beta readers on books, and when the book was released, those beta readers were well trained to leave reviews. So in the first week of Now You See Her, you know, we had a handful of reviews, maybe you know, four. I think it was in the UK. Uh, more than that in the US, but we had reviews and they were generally five star, four or five star reviews on Now You See Here when we released it. Now I did not do that because I'm rubbish at that. I'm rubbish at asking for those reviews. I'm rubbish at coordinating that. I don't like it and I'm I'm uncomfortable doing it. I just kind of get the reviews where they come uh, and when they come. Um, So I did not do that. I was rubbish. Uh, so, So, you know, that's my bad entirely um, the other thing I didn't do with my books Adam uh, let the books run for the first week so they were 99 pence or cents and then he changed them back to £2.99 or, £3, or £3.99 and I didn't do that I left all my books at 99 pence or cents for pretty well the duration of the launches I only switched them back to 2 pounds and £3.99 last week so that was another thing that I did different. Now I don't know whether I would have made more money had I left them at two ninety nine, three ninety nine. You know whether I I took a hit on my income, but I decided, for better or worse, to leave my price at ninety nine cents and pence for a lot longer. Now, interestingly, I can tell you, recording this a week after changing those prices, you know I can tell you that my income has stayed the same. Uh, I haven't counted the sales this month but my income has pretty well stayed the same. I'm not uh, you know having put the prices up. So whether I'm making fewer sales or making more income um I haven't as you know I'm rubbish at this stuff. You know I haven't sat down and done the numbers yet. I haven't had time to sit down and do the numbers yet. But um you know that that's also interesting. The bottom hasn't dropped out of my world by putting the prices up, but then also it hasn't soared either. The other thing that Adam did is he had a trilogy. Uh, he had a trilogy within that launch sequence. Now I didn't have a trilogy within the launch sequence. I have been effectively, um, you know, I've been launching standalones and box sets. So um, every single book was a standalone, except for Left for Dead, which of course I'm now re- I'm now releasing these at a twenty-eight day cycle. Uh, so Left for Dead. And then um, the follow-up novels uh, are coming at 28-day release cycles. Whereas Adam had a trilogy where he released those episodes one week after the next week after the next week. So again, you know that was a difference with his launch. I haven't done that. I've decided, well, I have to do it this way because they're they're new books. I simply have not got the time to write those books and edit them and release them weekly. I, I realized I couldn't do that. So you know, that that's where we are. Those are the differences. So every single advantage that I had, and I tweaked a few things, but I I can't help feeling that, I don't think these are the things that would have made a, a major difference. Of all of the things I've said to you there, the one thing that I wish I'd be better at is getting some beta reviews. It would have been nice to have a couple of four or five star reviews on those books, just so that when you look at them, there's a row of nice stars there. And now you see it has done very well um, with the reviews, and again, this is one of the things that even this far on in my indie author career, I re- really still haven't cracked. I'm not consistent with this. So I did get beta readers. I had beta readers on so many lies. I should have emailed them. I I, I remembered it. And I didn't do it. I just forgot. There were too many things to do. I should have emailed the beta readers with so many lies. I got lovely uh, beta read feedback from so many lies, and and I just you know I just didn't do it. And I'll, I'll talk to you more about that as we go along. Let me just, I'm on Amazon now, and I'm just going to see how many reviews we've got on Now You See Her, which is the book I did with with uh, Adam. So just bear with me while I find this. I should have had this handy, but I'm on my cronky computer. I'm trying to keep as many, many windows closed as I can. Yeah, so in the UK, when you look at Now You See Her, uh, that book has got a row of five stars. It's got what well, it's got, it's got eight five star reviews now. You see her in the UK. Uh, there are no other review types on that. It's eight five star reviews. And, and you know, I don't usually look at my reviews, so I am preparing for a wint in looking at these. And then when I move to Amazon.com for this book, we've got 22 reviews on that book, and it's the average is 4.7 out of five stars. So we've got. Um, 579% 5 star reviews. We've got 15% 4 star reviews. And then we've got a 2 star review, which represents 7%. And when you click on that 2 star review, it, it's, it's, um, it's a bit weird because there is no review. It looks like somebody's just clicked 2 stars and they haven't put any kind of feedback there. Um, so. It's kind of one of those odd ones. That two star. There's no comment. Um, who, who knows what that is? So it's it's four to five stars in the US. It's it's a solid five stars in the UK. So uh, again, you know, I got to tell you that that is the cleanest reviewed book I've ever had. So it's got the most good reviews soonest. But of course, it's probably Adam's audience that have brought that in, not my audience, because I don't have. Fans, as such, or I'm not aware of having inverted commas fans. So, looking at the income that I've made, I, you know, obviously I'm, I'm completely disappointed in the income. It's it's much better income, but I'm disappointed in the income. And I just want to, as I've said to you some time ago, you know, I'm not really comfortable sharing these week by week, month by month income figures. So I'll give you ballpark figures rather than specific figures. And that's just me being an old git. I'm afraid, you know, it's just. Um, my generation didn't share salaries and things like that. And I I sort of bulk at at sharing precise numbers, but I'm happy to give you ballpark numbers and and you can pretty well work it out, I think from the sales numbers that I've given you, you can pretty well work out what kind of ballpark we're in. But what I decided to do this year is um, last year, I had an author author breakthrough, a personal breakthrough in that I was earning much more than the average author income. Now I've taken the average author income, there are all sorts of figures going around, but the couple of weeks ago, um, Joanna Penn had Michael Anderle on her podcast and Michael Anderle in that interview he quoted the average author income at, at just over five thousand dollars a year which I was surprised to hear but that's what he quoted I'm basing my experience uh, because I hear different figures banded around I'm basing mine on ten thousand pounds a year so ten thousand pounds, which is I don't know how many dollars that is, thirteen thousand dollars, fourteen thousand dollars, maybe something like that. Um, so Michael Andelay says five thousand uh, dollars. The number I've taken, which is I can't remember some some survey, I'm sure I read in the Guardian last year that was saying ten thousand pounds as the average author income. and and you may have other numbers, but I'm taking it as 10,000 pounds a year. And I can tell you that I looked at my income. I just wondered how I was doing. I looked at my income from the end of October this year to what was it, the beginning of November last year. So I looked at my income year on year and I am consistently earning, not on a tax basis, but on a year on year basis, I am consistently earning well over an average author income from my book. So I've earned comfortably more than that year on year. Now, I didn't think that would be the case, to be honest with you. If you'd have asked me about what my gut feeling was, I'd have said that that wasn't the case, but it is still the case, um, which was a very pleasant surprise to me. So I can still... Again, inverted commas, you know, the the one thing I could boast, I'm using inverted commas for that, because it's not a boast, but the you know, the one achievement that I've got is that I can say that I'm very, very, very comfortably over Michael Andalay's figure and have been probably for some time, but that, that more severe ten thousand pound figure, I don't know whether it was ten thousand dollars even, so I've put a real I've put a real severe number on that. I'm putting ten thousand pounds on that number. And I'm comfortably more than that from my author income. So I could at least take that consolation that it wasn't a fluke last year, that this is an ongoing experience that I'm earning that amount of income. Um, and, it, and it's comfortably more than that. But I would like to earn a six-figure, dollars pounds I go for dollars I mean I I would actually feel like i would made that achievement in dollars I would love to at some point in my writing career have that six figure in dollars writing experience I guess that's what I'm I'm looking to achieve and you know what it's like every time I hit a target I'm going to make a bigger one so if I hit it in dollars at any point then I'm going to be looking to hit it in pounds and when I hit six figures once I've exceeded that I would want to hit seven figures you know you know what it's like we always set a bigger target for ourselves so I was looking for positives and consolation in this and that consolation is that now and, and if you've listened to this diary for any length of time you'll know that for so long I was trying to at least earn on a regular basis what my wife earned part-time term time and I have out earned that for a long time now and somebody reminded that 20 books to 50k they reminded me look you used to say you just wanted to hit that figure which was you know not a particularly high figure and it was quite nice to be reminded of that to be honest with you And, and and I should remind myself of that often I mean I've left that figure way behind now very very safely way behind um and Again, I thought last year when I hit the average author, I thought, oh, that's just a bit of luck. Um, You know, I had a couple of book bubs. That's why I hit that number. But it's good to see that however way I express it to myself by tax year, by you know January to December, by what month we're in now to what month we were in last year, that is an ongoing above 10K income. So that feels pretty resilient, that level of income now. Now, I know if you're listening to this, there'll be people listening to this who are way above that. There'll be people who dream of that, Uh, you know, people who are making uh, pennies, you just make, just not making anything. Uh, And and I would urge you to listen to these early diaries because, you know, I was there, I was there for a long time. Uh, You know, there is a progression with this. Um, But I have failed to move the needle with this rapid release now the other thing I want to say to you is that it's not the end of the rapid release the rapid release is continuing it's only the end of the week by week rapid release I'm now moving on to 28 day rapid release and of course we're into my more comfortable territory now you know how comfortable I feel with trilogies I love trilogies trilogies work well for me I'm going to get this trilogy release and then sure as heck that's going in for a book bub ASAP Um, my Morecambe Bay trilogy. So, um, you know, so that may change. That situation may change. Now I've got a trilogy coming out. For me, it's not over. It continues. But these 10 weeks of rapid release have just not done what I hoped they might do. They've completely failed to do what I hoped they might do. But it's not over. Remember, this rapid release is still not over. So I'm going to go through a series of disjointed thoughts that I've been putting on this document since I started the rapid release, just to, to make me remember. And they are a bit disjointed, but hopefully they'll just give you a feel for where I am with this. And the first thing I want to say to you is it was too much for me. Uh, it's was, you know, it was, it's been too much for me. Um, I, I bit off more than I could chew. I haven't been able to keep my eye on the ball. I, I said to you at the in the early stages of this, that it was like these guys who, who have plates on, I don't know what they have them on, they have them on sticks and they, they keep moving them round so the plates balance on the end of a stick and they keep hundreds of them going. We used to see them as kids, you don't see them as much nowadays, but I, you know, I couldn't keep all the plates going. I had to let some plates drop. I haven't had my eye on the ball and at, at certain pinch points, it's felt pretty intense. Now, having said that, you know also, that I have taken weekends away. I recognize that 10 weeks of just doing this without a break, without any sort of sense of relief would have been very intense. So I have had time away. And so I have, if you want, prioritized good personal and mental health over you know just doing the work. And that is a sacrifice I'm happy to make. It is tiring and relentless. Adam said to me, Adam Nichols said to me, uh, even in, I think where was he? He was in week four when we were doing. Now you see him. He said tiring, isn't it? And you know he was tired for hit from his. And he's he does it full time. Adam is able to do this full time, um, and of course I have to work three days a week, you know, and run a family around it. Of course, and do all the things you have to do for a household. And I squeeze this into the time that's left. But Adam was saying to me, it is relentless. It is exhausting, and he's doing it full time. And I did it part-time and yes it was tiring and it felt relentless at times but I've learned a really important lesson from this and and I'm this is why I'm so pleased I did it I do not want my author career to be like that I don't want it Uh, now I am going to be 55 years old next year if I were 25 or 30 or maybe even 40 I might make different decisions about that but I'm at a different point in my life here You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at winding my working life down. That doesn't mean I'm not going to stop working. I I want to work always because I think it's, this is a completely separate discussion, but I think keeping your mind active, staying active in physical ways and mental ways is really important. To your long-term health as you get older. So I have every intention. This is why I'm running an author career because it's something I can keep going forever. Um, you know, even when your mobility is restricted, um, you can keep writing. That's why I think it's such a great thing to get involved in, and um, you, you know, in your or to be doing in your in your in your older years. But I'm at a different time of life. You know, when I when I was in my twenties, I was happy to be get phone calls in the middle of the night and run out on news stories, do whatever I had to do for my career. But I'm an old gipper now and I don't have to or, or want to do, necessarily want to do those things. So what I can tell you is I do not want my author career to be like that. I do not want to chase my tail in my author career. I do not want to have this relentless pace in my author career and if I got nothing else from this 10 weeks it was that realisation realising that the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence and realising the limit of my aspiration I do not want to be writing five to seven days a week banging the books out at that rate you know book after book after book after book I don't want to do it that's not what I want from my author career I can tell you that my preferred writing pace is to write two to three days a week, 5,000 words per day, and to have a much more relaxed editing schedule. That's what I like. So, pretty well, what I was doing before this, when I was writing Don't Tell Meg, for instance, you know, I look at Look at Don't Tell Beggars, the halcyon days of my writing career. By which I mean those books were 90,000 word books. I hadn't put myself under any particular release schedule. They were long books. I took time off around writing those books. They were still done fast, faster than a traditional author might do them, you know, in, in a traditional publishing arrangement, they were still done way faster than that, I think I wrote them and uh, uh, edited them over the course of a year still, so that's still a much faster pace than, than many people would be able to achieve, but that was a completely comfortable pace for me, and that's the pace I like, and going forward, that is the pace I want to maintain, two to three days a week, writing 5,000 words per day, under no huge intense release Pressure, writing 75 to 90,000 words. I do like writing in trilogies. You know, it, it really suits me. I must give some consideration to series, but I, I, I suspect that I'll be too scared to write a series. What I might do is, I think the closest you'll get to a series from me is a second trilogy, thus creating a series of, of two trilogies. That You might get that from me, but I, I don't know whether I dare risk a series. So I might take the characters. So I've got some pretty good characters. I, I've, I've created some lovely worlds, all of which would take this. So the Don't Tell Meg universe is is a great universe. I'd be happy to write in that. In fact, I set it up to write in that again. The Left for Dead universe is a lovely universe. Very happy to write in that again. And also I've got, now you see, I, I love the characters I created in that. Um, people in their reviews are saying, we'd like more of this. You know, that that again, I set up as a series. But you know, I got lots of decisions to make with that because um, you know I'm, I made money from that with Adam, but not enough money, not enough money to justify me doing another one. I don't think. Much as I'd love to do the characters, and so I I, I might say to Adam, and I, I've got, you know I, this is all me. Thinking randomly, thoughts all over the place. But you know, yes, I would like to write the characters again in Now You See Her. Yes, I set that book up so I could write another adventure. There are still uh, tensions and things that that need to happen there. But would I do it as another rapid release? I don't think so, not unless I was at a loose end. You know, I think I think I would rather write another trilogy, either in sci-fi or in thrillers, than than do that because it made money, but not enough money. So what I might then say to Adam is, well, okay, I'd like to write in this universe again, but I'd like to write it under my own name. And as part of that deal, if I write subsequent books in this universe, you will get a co-credit. All your books will get a co-credit. And the first book for which we both take income will always take a credit because of course that's the launch point for people joining the series. You know, so I will send traffic and and money in your direction but subsequent books to make them worth my while need to be written in just my name now I I haven't mooted that yet that's just me thinking aloud but that's the kind of situation that I would probably be looking for to write more in that series I did like I enjoyed writing that book and I love the characters they've got great reviews so there is more in it you know or or I might write a trilogy in that series and and co-author it but I would need to be convinced of the numbers in that beforehand I'd need to be very convinced that I was going to make a lot more money from that doing it in collaboration rather than doing it alone because you lose a certain you give away a certain control when you when you collaborate with somebody and you know I'm still not sure that I want to give away that level of control I still like to do it myself you know, and and by, and by the way, I, you know, I hasten to add that experience with Adam was perfect. The communication was brilliant. The time scales, the deadlines were perfect. There was absolutely zero wrong with that collaboration experience. Absolutely nothing. I thoroughly enjoyed it. That's a completely financial decision. You know, in terms of working relationship, I would do that again in a heartbeat. You know, Adam's been totally upfront with me. He's been fair with me. He's got back to me. Um, you know, he's he's coached me. He's given me loads of information. Uh, he did he did everything. We did absolutely everything on the time scale we agreed. It's exactly as described. Um, you know, so th- from a personal experience, that was a brilliant collaboration. My judgment is only made on on money, and that's I just want to be really clear about that. You know, it's it's strictly a business stroke financial decision that. So um, I would say to you that it's the editing that I've liked least about this. What's made it feel relentless is not even the writing pace, to be honest with you. Uh, I think I'm happy with the writing pace. I can keep that up. Um, It's the editing pace. It's the having to write and then come to the editing when I'm tired, Um, you know, when you're a bit punch drunk. It, you know, I don't like editing and really with editing, I have to give myself the best chance that I've got with the editing. You know, I have to come to it fresh. And so it's not even the writing schedule. It is the editing that that has made me think, oh, I, you know, I'm tired and I don't wanna do this. The friction has been immense with the editing. I've had to force myself to do it. I don't like it anyway. I've had to force myself to do it, to keep the to keep the deadlines, to make sure that all the targets get hit but I haven't enjoyed that. I don't enjoy editing. Don't like it. You know, wish I could just hand it off and say, take care of that. And I guess, you know, that's almost the traditional author. I mean, I know you get revisions back when you do this, but, but you know, part of me would love to be able to just write the books, be creative, come up with the characters and hand it over to somebody and say, you know, make that great. Just take care of that you know i i don't like doing that bit um you know you've got you've got the creative bit you've got the story you've got you've got the pace now make that you know there's something that's reasonably good Make it brilliant for me. That's what I'd really love, and, and you know that I, that's lazy, but it plays better to my skills, to be honest with you. But I, I would love that, and if there was that in a collaboration, actually, maybe that's you know what I got from the collaboration with Adam. You know, it was great. I, lo- I loved that experience actually. I, you know, I loved working with Bill and Julie and Adam on that. It felt like a really good sort of team effort. That one. Um, I really enjoyed the experience of working on Now You See Her. And it was written at a rate of knots that one, but I did enjoy that actual experience it really felt like we were working um, as as a team on that book Um, and it also got a final proof at the end too didn't it so there were a lot of people involved in that book Uh, and I I, I enjoyed it and and it's interesting that that book gets reviewed uh, you know, quite quite so well uh, as well. So, you know, I don't know whether there's anything in that. It might just have been that. I wrote it in the American style with the American language. Adam's audience and my audience are more in the States. Maybe it just hit the mark better. Maybe it was just written to market better. But I, I enjoyed that experience the most of all the books, I think, um, I would have to say. So, you know, I, I know I'm giving you mixed messages here, but I'm trying to give you it uh, as it happened, uh, as it occurred to me. But yeah, I don't like the editing. So, because I'm old, right? I I have no intention now. I, I think if there was ever any thought in me that I might like to write five days a week, and get up and be at my desk at nine and write five thousand words, well, you know that could still happen. That that could still happen, but I don't. It's I don't want the editing that tight again. I'm, I'm happy to write the books at that speed, but I do not want to be turning the books round and releasing them at that speed. So I I ain't going to be even a one per 28 days kind of guy. You know, not unless I make enough money from this to have a whole team in place, right, and write these things and just say, take care of it, get it released, get it processed, you know, that I'm no longer part of that now. Uh, you know, it's, uh, And I think actually um, uh, 20 books to 50K, I, I think that's what Michael Anderle is doing now. I, I, reading between the lines, I, I think I'm right in saying that, that they, I think they basically just like take the books from people and sort them out. Um, that was the impression I got from Twenty Books Edinburgh. I may, it may be wrong. I may have interpreted that incorrectly. But uh, you know, I think again, reading between the lines, and and I have been known on many occasions to get things uh, wrong or not quite right. But uh, the impression I got was that Michael was saying we're expecting these people to bang these books out at such a rate. Um, you know, it's not almost not fair on them to have to do all these other things. So they're just whisking them away, editing them, processing them and releasing them. And and that frankly would be a dream scenario for me. Just get on with the creative bit, you know, the fun bit and let uh, and, and somebody else deal with the other stuff. And you see, you know, we all know that there are people who love that. There are some people who love editing. Is it Joanna Penn hates the first draft and she loves the editing? I can't think of anything worse. You know, I love the first draft. Uh, that's the bit I love that, that, unbridled creativity where the world could go anywhere. i love that process of creation it's the picking over the pick 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 that i can't stand i hate that it feels so uncreative to me and you can frame it however you want you know that we're making we're polishing up a, a diamond or whatever you want to say to me but no it's just picky 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 and and i don't like it it doesn't suit my personality so there you go so so, so I don't want to write full-time. That's what I've learned from this. I don't want this to be my day job. I want it to be part of a portfolio of things I do. I want it to be a profitable pleasure. That's how I'm going to describe it, to a profitable pleasure. It needs to make profit. I want it to make much more profit than it is doing. And you know, I still want that book that flies. I still want that book that people love. That book that people rave over, or that book even that divides opinion. But I want that book that flies. and it might still be in there, you know because um, I might have written it already for all I know. Um, it just hasn't found the audience yet. but that's what I, I think I aspire to do. And it's almost, I guess the traditional author in me that I would like in my writing to career career to write at least one book that people kind of love. Now, I know that when people love a book, they also hate it. Look at Fifty Shades, for instance, so how that divides opinion. But I, I I would like that kind of experience where you get that book, where I don't care if it divides opinion, but a book that is loved in sufficient numbers for it to kind of fly off the shelves, for it to be a buzz point for people to be talking about it and to have enthusiasm for it. And I know there's always a downside to that as there was with Fifty Shades. You know, there is with Harry Potter. Would it s- surprise you to hear, I have never read a Harry Potter book? Okay, I have zero interest in the subject matter. And I feel guilty for that because I feel that culturally, even if I force myself through them, I ought to read the Harry Potter books, but I have no interest at all in the subject matter, zero interest. And the other thing that put me off the Harry Potter books is I I really do not have a lot of time for... uh child actors from the UK and having caught glimpses of films that haven't been on on my TV, but have been on on relatives TVs and seen the sort of quality of the acting in the early films, it frightened me off. Uh, You know, I I just ran a mile when I saw that. I generally prefer, uh, I find American child actors and foreign child actors way better than UK child actors. All of ours seem to have been to stage school and speak like that. And I'm sure it's very nice if you live in a foreign country to hear that, but I don't like it at all. Don't find our child actors very natural on the whole. So, um, the film's terrified me. The subject matter is of no interest to me whatsoever. There's just nothing there. I'm sorry. It's just like a big blank face when you, when you talk to me about Harry, Harry Potter. Whereas, whereas I recognize the phenomenon. That isn't me saying that I think they're no good. It's just saying that I'm just not interested enough to read them. Um, and, um, It is a phenomenon, and hopefully you know from listening to this diary that I've every respect for any author, whether they write in a genre I like or not, who has a massive breakthrough. So I wouldn't never poo-poo at Fifty Shades because, um, again, I haven't read Fifty Shades, haven't seen the films of Fifty Shades that is a phenomenon however you look at it that is a huge huge success as an author as are the harry potter books you know they've done what we all want to do so it's no refre- reflection of the authors or the books it's just a reflection on what i like to read um and, and it's not what i like to read i haven't read the jack Reacher books either it just doesn't interest me it's just not what i like i like i know what i like and it's not that And I've tried to read Jack Reacher books and they just don't appeal to me. You know, this kind of macho kind of hero. It's just not my thing. Um, So I haven't read those either. Now I know, and I know, I feel guilty about it because I ought to have done, because they're a phenomenon. I ought to have read them just from an academic point of view. I know I'm guilty. And maybe one of these days I will. But the amount of friction there to get me to read them is huge, even more than it is for editing. So, you know, that's just my ban, I'm afraid. And I know you'll be horrified to hear me say that I haven't read those books. So yeah, it's been a brilliant reality check for me. It's helped me to decide where I want to be here. You know, what do I want to be? Where do I want to be? Well, I can tell you, I do not want to be one of these authors who's banging them out, banging them out, banging them out because, you know, I am an old gipper. If I was at 25, maybe yes, but not, not at my stage in life. I don't want to be doing that. Um, I'm very, very happy to produce three to four books a year, writing two to three days a week and you know the luxury in life for me my luxury is in having time to say oh no I'm not going to write today I'm going to meet a friend in town I won't write today I'll I'll write tomorrow Um, and, and as you know even when I'm doing that I still get the words done I still write pretty relentlessly I can still comfortably write three to four books a year but that is my comfortable level three to four books a year and that's how I want to write going forward it just becomes a sweatshop to me. I might as well be flipping burgers at McDonald's if it's like, you know, write out, write, publish, write, publish, write, publish. Um, and I do believe in write, publish, repeat. I do believe in that, but actually my pace is going to be a little bit slower than five days, five to seven days a week. I just, I just don't want that. Um, that might change, you know, if, 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 if I collaborated or if I ended up, you know, say I collaborated with, um, Michelangelo, for instance, you know, say, say I had a space opera and, I, I I did that with Michael Landay. Yeah, I'd do the work. Of course, I would because I would have every confidence that his vehicle could deliver the sales to make it worthwhile. And notice, by the way, I mentioned the fact that I don't have to get too bogged down with the editing. So yeah, if I could write, bang the books out at a rate of knots, and um, not have to get as involved with the editing and the processing that I've had to do, yeah, I'd do that. I'd consider that. Uh, but it's the writing that I enjoy, not the processing. I need to give myself more time for the processing, really, less so for the for the writing. So. I'd also say to you that 75 words is a great writing length. So uh, I can tell you now that my length of book will be 75,000 to 90,000 words. 75,000 words to me seems to be the sweet spot for speed of production and, and having a substantial book feels substantial enough to me. I wrote a lot of my standalones at 50,000 words. Um, the readers don't seem to mind 50,000. They quite like a short book, it seems, from time to time. No one's ever said to me it's too short. But um, 50,000 words for me in terms of developing a story is quite tight. Um, but having said that, you know, I'm very pleased with my book two years after. Uh, I, I rattled that one out. I'll talk to you a little bit more about that in a moment or two, that particular story. But that book was rattled out in no time It's a good story, has a good beginning, middle, and an end. It doesn't feel like it cheats you. Um, It's a nice, fast read. So, yeah, you know, I don't think I'll write at 50,000 words again. I think that's it now. Now I've, if you remember, I had I've written six 50,000 worders now. Those standalone thrillers, and I needed to write two years after just to close the circle. So I got two box sets out of those standalones. But I don't think I'll be writing at fifty thousand words again. I think I'll be writing at seventy five thousand words or ninety thousand. Those are the, those are the lengths that I like to to do. That's what I like to do. And I can tell you that. The other thing about 75,000 words is it caps your editing costs as well. You know, so if, so really for every extra 5,000 words that you're doing you're paying a substantial amount more for your editing, and I can turn that around in a 14-day writing cycle. So within in 14 days and I can very comfortably fit 14 days within a quarter, which is why I'm saying I can write 3 to 4 books a year. I I can very easily fit 14 writing days into every quarter. Uh, that's a very comfortable writing speed for me. That's a 75k book. That's a good writing length. It's a good cost of editing as well, uh, because you have to look at all these numbers. You know, you have to say, well, I, you know, if I have to earn more money for edits, then I have to sell more books. Whereas, to me, it's like the sliders on a mixing desk. You need to get them in the perfect configuration. And I would say that 75 words, 5,000 words is the perfect config for length of book for readers and price of book for processing, speed of book for writing, speed of book for editing. It's the ideal combination for me. So I will go for 75,000 words or 90,000 words. That's I'm now declaring that as my preferred book writing length. So what now well i intend to take income from those 23 books i got 23 books out now and i'm i'm intending now to take income from them um for the next year uh you know because um my my aim is i'm going to continue writing i am going to continue writing i'm not quite sure what yet i don't quite know what i'm going to write next i'll probably talk to you about that a little bit more next week but i got 23 books now i got seven sci-fis i got uh, how many box sets one two so oh i've got lots of box sets is it six box sets six box sets four trilogies um lots of standalones that i could use in all sorts of different ways you know i have got a lot of units that are good for selling now so uh my existing projects are have all been brought together. Everything works now uh, beautifully. There are no loose ends, there are no straggly bits left. So those 23 books now, my aim for the next year is to take that catalog and make money from it and to draw money out of my author business, to draw money out and to say that paid for a holiday, that paid for this to start taking money out of that now. So no longer bootstrapping, no longer saying that I earn the money to pay for the edits, to pay for the covers and that's pretty well it. But you know, I've always taken a little bit of money out, but but I want to start taking money out for tangible things now to say that that holiday was paid for by books, this holiday was paid for by books. That's what I want to do. I'd like it to fuel travel actually. Actually saying that aloud. I think really, I'd like it to fuel travel. I get such immense value from travel. Oh, sorry, immense. Um, I love travel. I, 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 you know, that is my happy spot. When I'm in a different country, in a sunny country usually, you know, that's warmer than the UK. Um, that's my sweet spot. That's when I, that's when I love life the most. So you get that rush of life. That's where I get it when I'm abroad and when I'm traveling. So if my writing could fuel that for me that feels like a pretty nice spot to be in. And that's what I'm going to be aiming at with those 23 books over the next year. I'm not, so so it'll be still used for bootstrapping because I'm earning what I'm earning now on a touchwood regular basis, that is enough to bootstrap books at a slower pace, edits and covers to get good covers on them and proper edits. It's a good pace for that. So I'm not constantly paying for this as, as intensely as I have been doing over the past couple of months. Uh, and it's also a level at which I can take money out for holidays as well. So that's what I'm aiming for in the next year with those 23 books. But I can't tell you just yet when I'm gonna write next. I, I'm still waiting for the books that I wrote for John and James to be released. Still no date on that. I'll, again, I'll, I'll fill you in more about that and wh- what the delays are with that um, when the books are released and we can talk about those. Um, but I still need to see, you know, to make a proper judgment on this, I need to see what level of income they bring in as well. So I've got to keep my powder entirely dry on those books, but obviously those are three books that are written and, you know, there's no more expenditure on my part. I just need to see what income they're going to bring in when they're released. So I've got to keep my powder dry on that. And we'll talk more about that, you know, when they get released at the point at which I can talk about those. But I, um so I've I've effectively got my 20 books. If you take those books out the, equation, I've got my 20 books now, and now I want to focus with those 20 books on the 50K bit. I want to look at the numbers that Michael Andalay says that you know, with each book, you should be earning this per day. And I'm going to focus on it on a small scale. I'm going to look at it and look at how I can for each book in my series, make the money that Michael Andalay says to take you to 50K a year. And again, I'll talk to you more about that in a moment or two when I talk about advertising. So we're going to move away from just bootstrapping to specifically taking income out that pays for tangible things, notably travel. Okay, so another few things I need to talk to you about. Um, when you do rapid release, you constantly get emails from Amazon nagging you to get your books ready, constantly. So you, you get I get several emails every week saying, this book's released on such and such a date, you need to get your book done. Have you done it? Have you done it? Have you done it? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, often I haven't. And if I haven't, I, it's just constantly nagging you and reminding you that you've got to get this work done. So, it's worth just mentioning that as well. Um, you will get lots of nag, 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 nag files from Amazon constantly. And that's just all par for the course. They're just GGing you up to get your final files ready in time. But you never forget those deadlines. You always know that there's a deadline looming. And just to repeat this, if you haven't done it before, if you put a book on pre-release, you have to have it ready four days ahead of the release date so that Amazon has time to check your file. I would say that a big mistake I made, and this is just me, this is just the way I'm wired. For cash flow purposes, I should have put all my ads on a credit card, and I didn't, I paid it with cash. And that's just because I don't like credit cards and uh, I'm very bad with credit cards. Whenever I have anything on a credit card, I have it paid off, you know, I have it paid off and I don't like putting money on credit cards. And that's stupid. That was stupid, stupid, stupid. I shouldn't have done that. I I should have just let it run on a credit card and paid it when the Amazon cash came in. I should have listened to what people like Adam Croft said when he said I couldn't spend it fast enough on credit cards. I knew I had it coming in, um, you know, and, and I just was rolling it up on on any credit I could get and I should have listened to that and I should have learned from it I should have taken the lesson so the reason I did that is that I've left myself short of cash now you know I've paid everything in cash and of course I've got earnings coming in but they're not coming in now I have to wait three months for my earnings to come in and now I've squeezed myself silly 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 I should not have done that I should have put all my expenditure on a credit card and I should have paid it off you know I should have kept cash rich so I can pay editors and, and, and uh, you know, but mainly editors. I should have paid, stayed cash rich to pay Julie and uh, also Helen, who's done an edit for me as well. I should have paid my editors, kept the money to pay the editors and kept the money back on credit card to pay for the ads. I didn't do that. And I should have done, should have done that. So there you go. Um, that's just a lesson learned. And, and my ad expenditure has been extreme. I hadn't really quite anticipated how much spend, spending I would do on all these ads. It has been relentless and, and constant. But my advice to you is if you ever do it this intensively, um, you know, do it full time. If you're full time, that that it's fine. You've got enough time to do it. Don't do it part time. Do it 28 days if you're part time because you've no time to think if it's every day. And also put all your ads expenditure on a credit card and settle it when your money comes in three months later from Amazon. But this is just me. It's a hard habit to break. I don't like running stuff up on credit cards, even though I know the money's coming in. It's just a business transaction, but that was a very poor decision on my part. <laughs> that's, that's what I should have done. I should have kept cash rich and not paid off my credit card as, as the bills came in. Um, I had lots and lots of 99 pence and cent sales. I probably should have put the price up earlier, but I didn't. Who knows whether that was right or wrong. The prices are up now, let's see how it goes. I'm always a bit nervous about putting the prices up. That's probably undervaluing my work, but there you go. Um, I still feel like those um, sort of who have a big email list or who are part of a network will do better with this. I. You know, I've read Chris Fox's book. I've, I've listened to Adam. I've read the posts in 20 books of 50K. It does still feel to me that, that you would do better from this rapid release if, you've al- if you're already doing well. If you've already got a big email list, if you've already got a rabid sort of group of fans, I think you'd do very well from this. But I don't have that. I still don't have it. And I didn't have it beforehand. I can't help feeling that if you're part of that kind of infrastructure, then you would do better from this. But I don't, and, and that's one of the reasons you know, why I didn't do brilliantly. Throughout these campaigns, I've been running Facebook ads, I've been paying for email marketing ads, I've been paying for Amazon ads, I had Google ads, I had BookBub ads, and I had Microsoft ads. And, I, and some of these have dropped by the wayside because I couldn't find any evidence that they were working. The thing that has worked consistently for me is Facebook ads. I am so pleased that I am touch wood able to use Facebook ads if there's one thing that moved the needle here as far as I'm concerned it was Facebook ads they're the thing I know are working for me I know they're working for me because I see it in the comments and the adverts that I do I see people saying I bought it or I've read it or I like this you know I really enjoyed reading the book I see it I see the evidence of it in Facebook ads they're cheap I've got loads of ads running across every single book and I'm going to review that very, very thoroughly when I get this last book done and handed over, and I've got some breathing space at last. Uh, this is why I say I think rapid release is best done when you've just got more time, when, you, when you're full time. Do it when you're full time, and you can dedicate all your time to it. Uh, but I've I've just been rushing to keep up with the writing and the editing. You know, I just haven't. I just can't be on top of all, everything, and it's probably the promos or the ads that I haven't been on top of. But, um, you know, I need to look at my Facebook ads. I need to see at which ads, which audiences are working. But if there's one thing that really feels like it's worked above everything else, it's Facebook ads. They've been cheap, they've delivered a load of traffic. And I see tangible evidence every day that Facebook is selling books for me. Now, I haven't done the numbers, I haven't crunched the numbers yet, um, you know, about read through and things like that. But that's what I need to do in between when I hand over that last book for editing. And you know, Christmas and into New Year, I need to look at these numbers and see what was working. Now, Google sent in a a huge amount of traffic, but I, I saw no evidence that it was converting. And as I said to you earlier on, the good thing about it is that I, the good thing about that is that I was cooking that audience through Facebook. So even though I, I got no sense that the Google traffic was sending, uh, giving me sales, it was nevertheless targeted audience, targeted on thriller keywords and interest. So it was a targeted audience. And I did at least manage to build that Google audience into a big, targetable audience within Facebook, from which as we go forward, I will now create lookalike audiences. So although I don't think it it probably led to a couple of sales, but it it definitely was generally a waste of money. Um, You know, I I know that because I could look at the tracking links that I used in in, in Genius Link. It did send a lot of traffic to the page. And I'm so pleased that I took retargeting traffic off that page for Facebook, because I think that's going to probably be the value of that audience. It's going to be an audience that I built off Facebook, that I could use to target traffic, I am using to target traffic, and that I could build look-alike audiences from. So that feels like it had a it wasn't immediately a good thing to do, but in the long term it worked out well for me. Uh, Bookbub will burn your cash. Um, I, I have a couple of audiences that work well in BookBub. You know, I, I get some good click rates on there for thrillers. I probably will go back to it again, but it burns your cash. It just makes my eyes water at how fast the cash burns. And I, I turned those ads off only because I was getting much more for my spend on Facebook and more tangible results. But I did bulk up the amount of money I was spending on ads here. Um, you know, I did. It was. It felt like it's no, it's no amount of money when you compare it to the Adam Crofts or the Mark Dawson's of the world. It's peanuts, but it was a lot of money. It's into the thousands. And yeah, it just made my eyes water at how fast BookBub will spend your money. I got a good click rate from it. Um, I've got a couple of audiences there, a couple of authors I'm targeting that give me a good re- good return on clicks, but didn't seem to move the needle that much in terms of sales. Uh, Microsoft audiences, again, didn't really move the needle in terms of sales. I had no evidence really that it was doing anything. It was finding an audience, but I find Microsoft very hard to use compared with Google. It was not intuitive to use. Um, again, I'd probably come back and have another look at it when I've got more time. And as for the email promo sites, I got to tell you, I haven't got a clue. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they were just uh, sending traffic at at, at my Amazon pages from different sources. I cannot tell you whether they made one bit of difference or not. I mean, I must have made some sales from them, but they were coming, all all, all the traffic was coming too thick and fast for me to track it. I'm too scaredy cat to use these Amazon affiliate links because I do not want to be banned by Amazon. You know, you always see the warnings. Yes, you can track your links, but no, you know, you've got to go in contravention of Amazon's affiliate rules. And because I've had my fingers burned with Facebook, I am sticking to the rules. I'm not risking anything which might jeopardise any of my accounts. So I'm just blind with it, unfortunately. You know, I don't know what, what my spend is doing. I can't track it. Uh, I know I'm making sales, but I can't tell you from where, I mean, that's unforgivable really in marketing terms, but I just needed to send a lot of traffic at this. And that's what I did for 10 weeks. I've sent a load of traffic at it. And um, I can't tell you which of the email sites worked and which of them didn't. Now, as we move now and out of this intense period, I'm gonna continue to market and promote the books, but I'll do it in a slightly more intelligent, a slightly more measured way now uh, where I can track those results. So that's all stuff as we head forward. Uh, That's part of the kind of review that I'm gonna inevitably need to do. I also have to say to you that I, I feel that I've always got better results from those email promo sites. I've always had great results when I'm giving away books for free. Never really felt like I've had good results giving away books at 99 pence or 99 cents. It still makes me nervous of doing it on bump. I think I will bite the bullet at some point and give away one of my, uh, do one of my book sets, my box sets for 99 pence or cents. I might even bundle um, six books together, my six standalones. I might bundle six of them together and do a 99 pence or cents promo Um, on BookBub so that it's such a massive deal that it just must sell and make my money back and maybe even make me a bit more profit and use it to send people into the two trilogies, use it entirely for that and just really heavily promote within the box set. So I, I might do that at some point as well, we'll see. So, you know, again, I'm very pleased that every book I've written now has a proper edit, it's got a proper high quality cover on it. You know, my books look fab when you look at them on Amazon. Um, I've had to work at great speed. And I do feel like I would like to go through the books another time. I think this is something I'll do over the new year or in the new year, that I'll just buy my own book and I'll put it on my... Kindle Paperwhite, I did find this of immense value actually when I was reading Left for Dead and I'll just read it as a reader does, I found it much easier to read on my Paperwhite and to just highlight anything that I spotted, you know words that I thought I could do better um, just as my last personal read I just found that of, of great value you know, there's nothing wrong with the books. It was just that I found that of, of personal value. It, I found it easier. And so I think I'll do that as a, just a last check. I'll probably get, work through the books one by one and just do that final super tweak. Um, but I'll do that at my leisure. It won't be under any great duress or stress or time scale because, you know, the books are fine. They're out there. They're released. They've all been properly edited. This is just my final super tweak. It's just really me closing the hatch on those 23 books and saying that's it that's the final version that's sticking there now these books are getting no more of my attention I'm moving on now that's that's really the purpose of that I may rewrite the ending of two years after I haven't really got enough reviews on it yet and um, I've had some very effusive reviews on it but I, I knew that the ending of that book was going to be not tricky but challenging It has a very dark ending. And in the author's notes, I explain why it's got a dark ending. And and I've never written a book with a dark ending before. And if you take that in the context of all the books I've written, I think you would, if you you read all my books yourself, you know, he's trying something a bit different there. And let me just give you an example of how it's a real chalk and cheese ending. I've got uh, three reviews here. And uh, there are two five stars and one one star review. So this just shows you how the ending splits people. So five star review, this book had me sucked in from the beginning. I kept thinking this chick is gonna get it together. I just recently discovered this author and enjoy storytelling enormously On to the next one. Okay, so that's a five star review. And then we go to the one star review and the headline is no relief, disturbing story with a horrible twist ending. So many questions, uh, blah, blah, blah. There are some plot questions there, which are all fine. Um, I cannot recommend this book at all. And then you get another reader who actually wrote me an email to say how much she would enjoyed the book as well as leaving the review. Her review is Two Years of Hell, finally a book with a realistic, if macabre ending. No happily ever after this time, a psychological thriller that will keep you awake far into the night. So two five stars, one one star. The one star, again, just didn't like it, just doesn't like the book, uh, which is fair enough. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll get more reviews, I think. But what I did think is that if I get reviews where people really don't like that ending, where it's just too much for them, then what I might do is rewrite the ending with a sort of slightly more positive <laughs> ending and maybe put the existing ending that I've got as the director's cut, you know, re read read the the ending that divided the readers and tell me which one you prefer. So I've always got that up my sleeve if I decide to do that. Also this one star review actually made some comments, which also I would quite like to, I might address them actually because they're very they're hypercritical. And this, this reader, there's no name for the reader, but this reader obviously didn't like the book. But when you look at the reviews think, you know, yeah, maybe I need to just revisit that and have a little think about that. You know, maybe I could just improve that in the writing. I mean I think I did cover a few things that she mentioned. So she says, Why um why not show the place the images and stretches be getting? I mean I I would argue that I've, I've countered that in the story. She does, She I, I think I have countered that, but I'd like to review that based on the comment. Um, this reviewer also says, why ask the demon teenager to babysit her precious child? I think I do tackle that one too. I do say why she has to do that, why she has to let it go. Um, and then how could her place of business hire such a cartoonish figure to run the company? Uh, that's a criticism which I semi take on board, which makes me think that I might want to review that this this character is borderline cartoonish and it's actually dare i say it it's every bad behavior i've ever personally experienced in the workplace rolled into one character so it is based on truth but because it is based on truth you could say that's a cartoonish character so again i you know this one star feedback it's harsh but i would quite like to review that at least you know at least it's not ooh this book was rubbish at least it's saying things that i could look at and review and 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 i will review them uh, you know as i've always said there's nothing more disturbing than an articulate one star review this is an articulate one star review so i need to give it some consideration And then the other um, point that this reader makes is why didn't the main character's father move in and share expenses and lessen the financial burdens for them both. Now, again, I have tackled that a little bit, but again, maybe need to just tackle it a little bit more. I think I have mentioned all of these things and mitigated all of these things, but maybe not enough. And the other thing is that I would say to that review is it's a story, (laughs) it's not real life, it's a story. So we do, you know, in a story, we do fictionalize certain things. But um, as I say, it's an articulate one-star review. It's not just a, ooh, this was rubbish, which I would just discount. So I I think in fairness to the book and in fairness to getting the best book possible, we'll just leave it, you know, it's no rush for me. I'm not gonna rush, because I've also had two effusive five-star reviews on it. Um, But I I think I will consider those points when I give that book another read-through. I will give it some consideration. Anyhow, that's uh, off the beaten track a little bit. Um, I've got four trilogies now. That's another thing I'm very pleased with. That's brilliant for marketing purposes. And as I said earlier to you, uh, Left for Dead, the Morecambe Bay trilogy. The minute I've got the third book out, that is getting submitted to a BookBub, and I'd like, I would like very much to get that into a BookBub before the end of the financial year, because there's a brand new trilogy on BookBub that will give me Touchwood a nice little earner before the end of this tax year. The other thing I want to say too is I don't think there's any correlation between my writing fast and the quality of my books. Now, I hasten to add that I would not write those books and release them without them going through a proper editor first. So you know, I would not, I would not write them that fast, edit them that fast, and release them because I know that there were a lot of errors in those books because I was writing them so, so fast. You know, they were sloppy when they left me. They were sloppy when they left me, even though I did first draft edits and things like that on them. I know I handed them over to the editor in a sloppy state. They were not in a brilliant state. They were, in as, they were in as good a state as I could make them in the time that I had. So, but I do not think there's any correlation between my writing fast and the quality of the books. I think now you see her, is probably one of the best, safest books I've written. And you could see that from the reviews. Now, again, it might be because it passed through lots of different hands and, and was shaped that way, but it was written at great speed, that book. And, and it feels, in terms of the reviews, like the safest book that I've released so far. And it doesn't seem to divide anybody. It just seems to be a book that people like. It's exciting. You know, it's safe. Um, yeah, it just, it just seems to be a safe book. Uh, but it was written at great speed. So, there's no correlation between writing fast and the quality of the books. And by the quality of the books, I mean the ideas, the characters, the writing, the story. But there very definitely is a correlation between, you know, what I hand over to an editor and the speed at which they were written at. Very definitely. Um, So, apologies, Julie, for what I've handed over to you. Um, But, you know, that's a reflection of the speed that these books have been written at eight books in a year. However, I mean, again, I've had feedback, I've seen feedback for the books that I've written for John and James from the editor uh, on that book. And that um, I don't even know who the editor, editor is on those books. It's just gone to John and James and it's gone to their editor, whoever their editor is. But I saw her editor comments and she loved book one and thought it was brilliant. Um, You know, even though, again, those books were turned around in three months. So as I say to you, I I think I've written my best books for other people. And I think that's probably because it's forced me to be less self-indulgent and more aware of my audience. It's played almost to my strengths and weaknesses in that, you know, you know how nervous I am about people reading my work. And, And probably because I'm nervous about people I know reading my work, you know, maybe I pulled something extra out when I wrote those books. That's probably what it was. Um, and that's why I think they're safer books. So, you know, there's all sorts of lessons in here. I'm not quite sure what I'm gonna do with all of these lessons. This is why I'm gonna to have to draw all these loose ends together in some way and look at how I move forward in the new year. And that's my task now. And I did say these were quite disjointed thoughts. So yeah, I, I, I do think I wrote the better books for other people. I think that all the internal marketing mechanisms within the books were absolutely right. So within the books, you've got author notes there. The author notes push people towards my mailing list. Uh, I've I've cross promoted all my other books uh, in every book. So every book has a cross promotion in it. I also have an extract to another book. So so every book at the beginning and end has a list of all the thrillers I've written and links to those books in Vellum, so that you can go directly to the geo linked page wherever you live in the world. So, all my, all, all my thrillers are, are listed at the beginning and the end of the book. At the end of the book, I have an immediate teaser so that, you know, when you read a book and you enjoy it and you want to read more, literally right at the end of the book, you go straight into the next one, the first three chapters of the next book. And at the end of that next book, it says, carry on reading. So I've tried to capture people. I know what I'm like when I read a book and you've read a great book and enjoyed it. And you just want to keep on reading. So I've tried to give readers that experience where maybe they're reading and they think, oh, that was great. That was great. I really enjoyed that. And then I give them the next book and I start them reading. And because I always write with uh, cliffhanger endings at the end of chapters, I hope to draw them in and keep the pace up so they, they buy the next one. So that's in all of the books. I've got that done effectively in all of the books. Uh, the only one I haven't done that in, by the way, is Left for Dead. Oh, I have done it in Left for Dead. I beg your pardon. Yeah, uh, I, uh, the only one I struggled with was was Left for Dead because I, um, I was a bit nervous of it because I I took an extract from Circle of Lies, but that extract hasn't been edited yet by by a proper editor. It's been edited by me. Uh, but I decided to put it in as a teaser extract in Left for Dead, even though it's only been edited by me. I, I went over it as much as I could, um, but it hasn't had a, um, another set of eyes on it yet. So I'm a little bit nervous about that, but hopefully touch wood, it'll be okay. Um, and also that you've got the author notes in there for each book. Every book has author notes, and the author notes encourage readers to look at my blogs and websites uh, for picture galleries and things like that, and more information. And it also encourages them to sign up for my reader list. So, you know, within all of those books, I feel like the the internal marketing mechanisms are all uh, you know perfect. I don't know how I could improve those those now. I'm not sure how I could do it. So. What happens next? Well, the rapid release will continue. We've got Circle of Lies coming out on in November, eleventh of November, I think it is. We've got Walk and Base Three. Uh, Truths will out. No, Truth be told. Truth be told. Yeah, that's the title, Paul. Truth be told. That will be out in January, January the sixth. And then, when I've got the third book out, the moment that Truth be told is released, that's getting submitted to a book bub because it will take a couple of days to get a book bub and usually if you do if I got if I was lucky enough to get a book bub straight out the gate I would um still probably have a couple of weeks till they do it and then I might then release the box set a little bit earlier so the box set's ready for the you know for the for the for the book bub that might force me to just release that a little bit earlier but otherwise the box set will get released 28 days after if I don't get a BookBub, but that, that's that's BookBub dependent. Now, what I am going to do now is all of my efforts now or my immediate efforts are going to be geared towards getting reviews on Left 4 Dead so that I have some reviews on Left 4 Dead ready for when I submit it to BookBub in, in the first week of January. So I've got to get above all else reviews on Left for Dead so that hopefully we've got four and five star reviews there um, so that there's something to look at when I submit it to but And I'll need to do that in the States and I'll need to do that in the UK. Now, because I've done my, uh, what is it called? My blog tour this week, that's 15 people who I'm going to tap up to give me reviews on that book. And I'm going to incentivize it for them by offering them um, books two and three for free. Hopefully, because they all seem to enjoy it, hopefully enough to read the next volumes. And so I, I will encourage them. I mean, they're, they're, this is what they kind of do for a living anyway. So I hope they'll leave those reviews anyway. But if they don't, I will really encourage them to do that for me. And I'll also maybe, you know, do a what's called a joint venture arrangement where in return for an honest review, I mean I know the reviews are good because they've already done it on their blogs. I just want them to to move those reviews over to Amazon now for me. Uh, but I might do a joint venture and perhaps do a page of um book bloggers I've used, you know, and, and cross promote them. Something like that would be a, a good way of doing that. So um I'll think about that anyway, but I need to get reviews on Left for Dead ready for the, the promo on BookBub in January. The other thing I'm going to do is the next email I send out to my list is I'm going to ask for people who have read a book, enjoyed it, and would be happy to get a free copy in exchange for an honest review to do that for Left 4 Dead. So I'm going to really work hard over the next two months to get reviews on Left for Dead ready for that BookBub to make it more attractive to them. That's my next priority. At least I've got some breathing space to concentrate on that now. Hooray, hooray for that. But in terms of what comes next, I'm going to reflect now. Now I, I've still got a week. I haven't finished, um, truth be told. I haven't finished that book yet. So I've, I've got to get that book finished. I finish that book next Friday, and I've got to do my first draft edit on it, and I've got to you know get it get it submitted and, and properly edited. But I can now relax in terms of I'm not. I'm not releasing a book every week now. I've got, I've got some breathing space. I've got some breathing space with the email adverts. Um, you know, I can, I say I can relax. I can relax a little bit now. Um, I've still got editing to do, but, but you know, it's much, just much more relaxed now. So thank goodness for that. Thank goodness for that. The, the intense period is over. I'm still going to be busy. Don't think for one minute I should be sitting there, you know, just scratching my head all day. Uh, I'm still going to be busy. But what it allows me to do, it now is my attention now to flow into things like adverts, to flow into things like, right, okay, what's next? Left for Dead, let's get the reviews on that. Let's work on that. Um, oh, and there's one thing I should say to you when I'm mentioning that, by the way. Another thing I did particularly badly that Adam does is he emailed his list every week with the books. I did that for a couple of weeks, got fed up with it, felt like I was hassling them too much and stopped it. So that's another thing I didn't do that Adam does. And the funny thing is, is I'm on Adam's list and it doesn't bother me getting those emails, but I couldn't keep it up, didn't keep it up with my emails. But Adam, all the way through his rapid release, he emailed his list and I didn't do that. I did it for the first couple of weeks and then stopped because I felt like it was too much. And also, frankly, I didn't have the time to do it. That was another thing then to add to that list that I didn't replicate with Adam's launches. All of these things I could have done and would have done if I'd have been doing this rapid release full time. So, um, you know, where are we? Where does that leave us? Still work to do. It's not over. The rapid release continues. We can take a breather at least now. I need to reflect on the fact that, you know, I'm I'm, I'm an okay author, but I appear not to be a brilliant author. I appear not to be the kind of author that gets people in sufficient numbers getting excited. That might just be the marketing, of course. Uh, But I kind of have to take that on the chin. This rapid release was, was fine. You know, it's going to bring some extra income in. It's fine. Um, but it was not anywhere near, anywhere near even a quarter of where we were going with Adam Nichols. You know, it just has failed. It's completely failed to, to ignite this rapid release. It's, it, it's what you would say a couple of decent months. That's how I would describe it. A couple of decent earning months, but also a couple of very expensive spending months as well. So they needed to be. I am earning more than the, average traditional author at the moment, but you know, that's too mediocre for me. I'm I'm not happy to settle at that. And my quest for those six figures, that six figure experience in dollars and pounds continues. But this feels like a really, really good point to be able to step back. I got my 20 books, you know, as in 20 books to 50K. I got three books that are still waiting to be launched with John and James. You know, I'll, who knows when they're going to be, Launched now, but we'll get there eventually. They'll, they will. I can tell you that they will definitely be launched. They're being edited. They have been edited. Uh, they will be launched and released. I don't know how much money they're going to make. That may change my view. We've got a trilogy coming out now. You Know how much I love trilogies. I'm in my happy place with these trilogies. So uh, Left for Dead is going well. It's had some good reviews. That feels like it's got some impetus. So that that feels good as well. The rapid release is continuing at a slower pace. But I'm not where I wanted to be. I'm nowhere near where I hoped I might get in my wildest dreams with this rapid release. You know, it has completely failed to combust. That doesn't mean that it won't. It hasn't so far. Um, it, we might get a pleasant surprise. <laughs> you know, I might, I might stop recording and all of a sudden it goes. Who knows? But I'm going to continue, as I said I would with this, certainly to the end of, uh, well, truth be told. Certainly till truth be told. And I will... I, I, now I've got some breathing space, I'm going to think. I want to have a good step back, have a good old think about it, have a think about what worked, have a think about how I feel. What I can tell you is I will continue to write. I don't know what I'm going to be writing next. I can tell you that unless I get a series of books that fly off the shelves, you know, if I get something that gets that traction that is really exciting and making sales, um, I won't be writing at, at that rapid pace anymore. Uh, that's not my sweet spot for writing. I'm going to, however I pick up, I'll be picking up at that rate of three to four books a year. So in 2020, my aim at the moment is to write, you know, three to four books over the course of a year. I can't tell you what uh, genre they're going to be yet. I can't tell you if there's going to be a fiction in there, um, nonfiction or sci-fi or thrillers. I don't know yet. I, I'm just simply going to think about that. I've got lots of ideas, but um, I, I haven't tied it down yet. I'm really not sure. So it's a great point, I think, at which just take, you know, step back, take stock, have a think, just mull it over, let the dust settle, and think about where I want to go from now. Um, I am very, very happy that all those loose strings have been pulled together. Um, it feels like we've we've grappled all of these pieces. We've got everything looks lovely. My author page looks fantastic. I've got great covers. Everything's been edited. There are no loose ends there. Anymore and all I got to do now is I just got to keep showing up I got to show up with the books on November the 11th. I got to show up with the book on January the 6th and This will just continue. I will continue to advertise the books and I'm going to look at that more intelligently now Now I've got some time You know, I'll get some Amazon ads going I'll continue with the Facebook ads and probably get even more Facebook ads going because they're working really well for me. And probably what I will do is maybe maybe pop the prices up a little bit more, possibly to 3 and 4.99. I'll have a think about that. And if I do that, um, that enables me to push more traffic at them through Amazon. That that seems to be the sweet spot for making you money on Amazon ads. And I might then use my free weeks that I've got and uh, they've been unused so far. Have they? Yes, to do free promos with some of those books to drive traffic to them. So that's kind of where we're moving next. This is not over; uh, it, it, it continues. But now we're on that monthly cycle. I get more time to think about it, to regroup, to look at what worked, what didn't, to do more of what worked and and less of what didn't. And that's what I'm going to be doing. First though, we've got a book to finish. That book will be finished next week and the editing will continue. But I cannot tell you how ready I am now to have finished writing and to see some white space, to see some maneuverability in my schedule. Um, I just can't tell you how ready I am for it. <laughs> it's been a really relentless 10 weeks. My big advice to you is don't do it unless you could do it full time. Absolutely do it if you could do it full time. But don't even think about it. If you're doing this part time, it's hard to stay in work. And I think you would get more from it if you did it. If you were full time writing, I-, I would recommend a 28 day release cycle to you. If you really want to do rapid release and you're still at work, or you can only do this part-time, I think it's much more sustainable. Would I do it again? Yeah, of course I would. It's what I do. (laughs) I try everything. I stick my fingers in the fire. I let them get burnt. And when they're burnt, I take them out and say, oh, I shouldn't have done that, but I cannot resist sticking my fingers in the fire. And I'm pleased I did uh, because now my knowledge is greater. My experience is greater and I'm older and wiser as a result. Now i got to go off and think about it and try and make sure we crack the whys a bit. Thank you very much for listening to this very extended episode. I'll give you a probably a clearer steer on what's happening next uh, in next week's diary. I hope that whatever you're up to in your author life, you have a great week of writing. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.